Hello, bold and conscious leader. Welcome to our new and refreshed 2022 season of the Bold Conscious Connections podcast, where we bring to you people who have shown special courage, character, and consistency to express themselves fully. After all, as long as we're alive, we want to live a full life, don't we? So our guests that we bring demonstrate that they do not want to die with their gifts because we're all meant to be given gifts that we share with others. And this is how we play our part in raising our collective consciousness in this world through this podcast called Bold Conscious Connections. So without further ado, let me bring on our guest today. The conversation with Mira Gandhi is truly representative of why it is so satisfying to do this podcast and invite guests like her who have clearly turned around their lives and tapped into their life's purpose. Mira Teresa Gandhi is the daughter of an Irish mother and an Indian father. At the age of 16, she volunteered to teach at a shelter for abandoned and differently able children run by Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity, which proved to be the turning point in her life. She then had the opportunity to work with and interact with Mother Teresa, and that's when she truly understood the great joy in doing things that are beyond and outside of the self. Mira has had many roles in her life as a philanthropist, a mother of three amazing children, a businesswoman, a TV show host, an author, and a spiritual yogi who believes that we're as much a part of the universal spirit, and we all must live in the flow of the ether that guides and propels us through our life's journey. She is a recipient of the Ellis Island Medal of Honor Award, Mark Anthony Maestro Cares Humanitarian Award, Children's Hope Humanitarian Award, and the list goes on and on. I will put all that in the show notes, but without further ado, here is my conversation with Mira Gandhi. We're live. I am so delighted to have this conversation today with my dear friend, Mira Gandhi. I've known Mira for 25 years. Anytime she walks up into a room, she lights it up. That's what I always remember. As soon as she walks in, she's the woman in her power. She's a force vibrant, always creating impact and influence. And there is a lot more about, about Mira I want to say. You know, all, all I know is that she's lived so many lives as a philanthropist, mother to three amazing human beings who are now independent and doing their own thing. She's a businesswoman, a TV show host, now an author, and a spiritual yogi who believes that whatever we are is part of this universe, and we all must have the flow of the ether that guides us, propels us into this life's journey. She's also the founder of Giving Back Foundation, and now she's an author of Three Tips, which is now a book based on her TV show that focused on mental health, wellness, and spirituality. Mira will talk a lot about your book in the rest of this interview as well, but what is it that you'd like the audience to know for those that are listening, really, in particular, why are they tuning into this conversation? I think I think that if there's any message I would leave from my life on this planet, it would be that we are put on this planet to really understand our mission. And we have to understand that we have to live a life in unison with others, in service of others, in advancement of life, in advancement of evolution. And I think one of the most important things is that, and I live by this, is that we are to the universe only as much as we give back to it. And when we live in this state of flow and understanding, life becomes effortless. Life is meant to be effortless. It took me some time to get there. My learnings are in this book, Three Tips. And I think if 
we spread this message, it'll have a knock-on effect. And I think it's going to make life better for next generations to come, you know, collaboration versus competition, all the things that we are now, the next generation is bringing uh, into their lives. That's so well said. So, you know, we'll go back because, you know, it's all the stories that make make the world go around, right? So I want to take you back to where did, you know, I also say that often the divine puts in you the message that you want to convey to the world. So where can you, can you talk a little bit about the turning point where you felt that this was a need for you to convey in whatever way, because good life and where you are at this stage again. I I think that the shift happens within. Once the shift happens within, then we can start sharing it. And the shift happened for me when I was in Hong Kong. It was in 2010, really sort of living a life that I think was uh, my ex-husband was at the top of his career. We were in Hong Kong. We were in a townhouse on the peak and everything was, you know, supposedly going swimmingly well but there was sort of a sadness inside of me and one day I came back walked into the townhouse went up to the top floor where our bedroom was was looking down at the bay and I just started crying uncontrollably I understood that there was something in spite of all the success that was deeply missing in my life there was a, a part that was not in peace there was a part that was unhappy and and I I was thinking why is this I mean We've worked so hard to get here. The kids are doing well. Why is there this sort of sadness? And from there was a journey of really introspection. And it's brought me here today where I've understood that, yes, success is great, but you must have joy and peace. So that's why my book is called Three Tips for First, I have most important joy, super important, and then success. It all flows from there. And I think, yeah, 2010 was that turning point since then. It's been a journey and I think meditation, yoga, seeking, reading has brought me here. I enjoy the material things in my life. Of course I do. I I think it's wonderful. But uh, once I understood that, you know, a material thing is you long for it, you get it. But then when you get it, then you're looking for the next thing. But the only thing that's really enduring is the joy that comes from within. And that's the real difference between joy and happiness. I think happiness is something that comes to us from that's external, but joy is something that's internal. Waking up, looking at a squirrel that's trying to eat a pumpkin. Those are joys. And when you live with awareness, I think joyfulness just flows. And once you find that, it's something you you can't live any other way. Mm. Well, it certainly resonates with me. So it's no secret that we all learn from our major challenges. I know you said it comes from within, but something actually is a catalyst for that, right? So the traumas or the failures or or challenges of our lives, they become the pivotal points in our lives. Can you speak to some of those turning points? Maybe one or two? You know, I I know you said where you had that sort of... On this book tour, this has come up a lot. And I found myself answering this question like very with a lot of honesty because I've had a life, I've had a happy childhood, great parents, had a very successful school career, was head girl of every school I went to, president of college, went to United World Colleges, went to BU, which I was not so happy about getting my MBA at. But 25 years later, I was voted most outstanding alumni. So I really had a lot of success and adulation. But in spite of the success and adulation, I found that it was just not enough. When you're still, when you have all that and it's not enough, obviously there's something that's missing. So um, what would be a failure? I would say the many mistakes I made along the way. I mean, thinking that you could just walk into the fragrance industry and create a line and expect it to like be on the shelves and sell everywhere. It doesn't really happen that way. Uh, But now I'm going back to relaunch my fragrance wiser, understanding that you have to do it with the right people. I mean, with my first book, The Coffee Table Book, it did okay. 
I self-published. It was great. We put a lot of effort into it. But it was definitely not like this book. This book, mm. which I've done with Rupa Publishing, is it's it's number two on the bestseller list. We've done book tours. It's distributed widely, supported by a lot of television and a lot of PR and a lot of bloggers and reviewers. And the journey has to be a journey with people who understand the game. I tend to think that, oh my God, because I can make things work, you just jump in and do things. But I think one thing I've learned is you've got to be more systematic. You've got to plan a little bit more. You've got to be a little more strategic in your thinking. And I don't even mean calculating because that's just not the essence of who I am. But it's got to be a little more organized. I think that's what I've learned through launching different things. Well, I can learn a lot from that because that's a whole other story. But yeah, so being strategic and thinking about, so you had the show already, you know, you used to have this three tip. I used to watch some of those that came out, you know, every, I think it was every week or something. So what sort of inspired you to, I guess I can see why it wasn't, you know, it's now it's in the book because you also then keep linking it into your childhood. So can you comment on that a little bit? Well, uh, three tips started quite by accident. I was doing the Mira Gandhi TV show on P4U TV network and in the first when we first started filming some people came late to the production set so when we were having coffee I was just joking like listen three tips on punctuality plan for traffic get there on time wear a watch and we're drinking coffee and people were like laughing and so when we started filming the producer said to me she's like you know in this segment like why don't you give three tips and we were shooting in Brooklyn on the waterfront and I'm like three tips on what and she was going through some stuff with her you know, her partner then. And she's like, three tips on love. So I did three tips on love. And then the next show we did three tips on compassion. And then Kevin Rago, he said, you know, this this three tips is really resonating. I think we need to increase the three tips part of it instead of just a tip. Let's talk a little bit about why those three tips are important, how they can impact your life. So that's how we sort of started. And then it morphed into an Instagram TV series, which I started doing with Times TV Network. And then I bought the project and finished it on my own. So now I own the project. And then from there, the book, Normally, people do a book first, they do an Insta series, and then they do a TV series. Story of my life, it was sort of backwards. And I'm sort of glad because now I think through the book and through the Insta series, we can actually do it on a platform that is more more authentic and much easier for people to access. Um, so we did the app. It's called 3Tip. And the app has the 3Tips in an easy downloadable format. And so, yeah, that's been the journey of three tips. You mentioned earlier the, the joy, happiness, and then of course, success in that way. But this book also talk about mental health, wellness, and spirituality. I guess those are correlated, but perhaps you can describe in your words how those three became so fundamental to your existence through this book. Well, in, 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 in 2013, and I don't really talk about this because I have an excellent relationship with my ex-husband and I love him dearly and he's the father of my kids and I respect everything he does. But in 2013, when I was going through my divorce, um, I understood stress. I understood how you need to manage stress. And I began to understand the importance of really staying mentally well balanced. Um, And that was sort of the beginning of my seeking. Like, how do you stay physically and mentally well balanced in a world that is hectic, where you're traveling, where you're managing so many things, where you're hosting things, when you're sort of, you know, you're supposed to bring the energy to the room night after night, you know, whether I'm whether I'm hosting at home or whether I'm chairing an event. And um, I began to seek how to do that 
that. And um, that sort of mm-hmm. brought me to this point where I understood that a, men- a mental balance is so key and that emotional wellness, actually, if you're emotionally well, you can do everything else. And uh, which is why I was successful through my life because I had a lot of emotional wellness from my incredible parents who were always there for me. And uh, then I put that piece back into my life. And through that, I, I changed one of the mandates on the Giving Back Foundation to mental wellness. We started doing retreats at Ledgewood, yoga retreats. I started a regular meditation practice, um, understanding that in the world of today, everyone is vying for a piece of your brain, whether we know it or not through mm-hmm. invisible mes- messaging, through subconscious messaging, through advertising, even the people who would call me, I mean, to say hi or whatever, they all needed some part of me which was mentally taking away. I had to consciously understand that we need to fix this world because otherwise everyone is just basically going to be insane. And I started with myself. Then I started with my friends. As I met people, I started doing things where I would meet friends and like, let's watch the sunset. Let's take a deep breath. I started changing the way I was interacting with people to spread this message of peace and calm. Of course, since then, it's really grown. I do meditation with people. I have the book out. I counsel friends. My way of talking to friends has changed because I feel like it starts with us. And I think it has a knock-on effect. When you do that for someone, they do that for someone else. And I think it has a huge ripple effect. But yeah, mental wellness is something that particular people began to understand during COVID when Mm. they were not in overdrive and they had to like be with themselves. And so many of my friends just, you know, collapsed during COVID. I've had to talk people through. A lot of people died. And a lot of it came from an emotional imbalance, which we began to understand during COVID. And we also began to understand a little bit more about collective consciousness. Now it's sort of a word that everyone talks about can only be realized when the frequency of the waves are a little calmer, where the vibrations are calmer, where we're not constantly on the phones and all that happened during COVID. So I think we all sort of delved into the importance of being mentally calmer, mentally connected, mentally well. And the fact that if you allow other people to get stressed or you allow mental unwell, Wellness, it's going to come back and to you, or it's going to hit your kids, so it's going to hit your love. So I think, yeah, that's sort of been the journey of bringing well mental wellness to the forefront of my foundation, my book, my life. Beautiful. Well, you know that um, everything I do is called bold, conscious leadership, and leadership in in our reference means really personal leadership, uh, not just in the context of business. So I often ask the question of my guests, you know, uh, either you're conscious or you're bold or one or the other, maybe not both. Um, so clearly, um, I mean, I'm sure you have practices that keep you aware, as you've already described, and perhaps there are some of it, some of them are I know are in your book. So, what are your regular practices, habits, or other forms of discipline that keep you at the leading edge of what you do on the consciousness side? Okay, so uh, I have I have a very strong meditation practice. I meditate every day, and now I even meditate on flights. And I actually learned that from Sadhguru because I asked Sadhguru, I'm like, oh my god. You're flying all over like with jet lag. I mean, isn't it like unstabling and destabling? And Sadhguru said to me, it's like, what's the problem? It gives me 10 hours more to meditate. It gives me 13 hours more to meditate. And he said that to me in 2016. And honestly, like on this flight back from Dubai, I meditated most of the flight. I didn't turn on the screen. Um, so I think meditating is very centering because um, I read this somewhere. 
when you pray, you're asking God for something. You're directing God. When you meditate, you let the universe, you let God dictate to Absolutely. you. You let meditating is more of a surrender. So I think that's one practice. Another bold, conscious practice I brought into my life is to really be aware. I consciously say this to myself. I said, dear God, any person who crosses my path, I want them to leave in a better space than where I found them. Whether I energetically shift them, whether I shift them in terms of something material, whether I shift an ideology, whether I reinforce something that I feel like they're seeking, I consciously do this. And I, people who cross my path, they always say, oh my God, like, I don't know, after I met you, like, I felt so much better because I'm, I consciously want them to be in a better space. And so when you have that wish for every person, you are just automatically living a more conscious life. I mean, something happened yesterday. I had a delivery from a very major furniture design company. I don't want to name the name. I've been waiting a year for it. Custom made in Italy. It arrived and it was broken. The LED lights didn't turn on and the shipping guys, you know, they were distressed because it was a very heavy piece. They didn't want to take it back. I'm like, you have to take it back. Um, But slowly, through talking to them, through recognizing who they are, I told the lead foreman, I'm like, you know, you are a problem solver. I mean, this is not your fault it's come broken, but you are a problem solver. You want this to work. You want to make the delivery, but it's not meant to be. And just through that, I could see he was, he felt good about himself. He was happy to direct his team to take it back. Win win. Um, and that's, that's what bold conscious leadership is. Leadership is you make the right decision for yourself, for the company, for the people that are delivering. And you do it in a conscious way where no one's hurt. And that's sort of the essence of what you're doing through your podcast, through your talks, through your book. You've just come out with a very successful book. Through your leadership with young people, I know that you're directing a lot of young people. This is the journey. Well, exactly. We're here to provide some meaning to our lives. And I think you're describing a live situation just yesterday that, hey, you know, you can make people feel good, but I mean, your energy that you put out changes their perspective. So I think I think you are a, a big catalyst for changing perspectives. And I've experienced that myself many times that I've spoken with you. So this other word, I mean, clearly you cannot accomplish what you've done, Amira, unless you are ambitious and bold, right? That's bold is understood that way. But in, our, in the book, uh, I define bold as in, in five elements, ambition, decisiveness, conviction, heart-centeredness, and humility. They might all sound contradictory, but this is the made-up definition of bold uh, that's in the book. So when I say to you, like through that perspective, my definition, what does it mean to you to be bold? Because you can't just do anything without being bold. To be bold to me, and it's missing in your five definition to me, is to be fearless, to really not attach so much important to the fruits of your labor, to really believe what you're doing in that moment is right, and to do it to the best of your ability and to do it as perfectly as you can because then the results will flow. So I think mm -hmm. being fearless, doing it really well in that moment is very important because then the outcome on whatever level, it may not be the outcome I want, but the outcome is usually a good outcome because you've done it well. Mm -hmm. So the, the title of the book, apart from being bold, conscious leadership says how to feel free in a restricted world but it doesn't say fearless. So I think that's a, it's a mental note for me. But yeah, all, all, all of that we're talking about is being fearless. I think that's very well said. True, I'm glad that this has sort of come up organically because one of the reasons why my fragrance was hasn't been successful so far is because I had fear. And I actually, it's so weird, Raju, I had fear of success. I'm like, oh shit, 
if this pregnancy takes off, and oh my god, again, I will be on planes, I'll be traveling, I'll be all over the place, and I won't have time for myself. Maybe I won't have enough time for my kids. Maybe I won't have enough time for to have love in my life because again, I'll be like doing, doing, doing. Until this year, when I was like, why not? Why not? Like this book tour was so hectic. We were doing interviews. We were doing book events every night. We did in two weeks. We did twenty-two packed book events, and. It, you know, you you just do it fearlessly, and you don't worry about, you don't fear success, you don't fear failure, you just do it. I mean, you look at Christopher Columbus, you look at all the people who have really made big shifts on the planet. They just went out and did it fearlessly. But if you can do it fearlessly and truthfully and well, as well as with a plan, it's a real recipe for success. I would say this to all young people: do it fearlessly, do it well have a plan and do it sincerely and you will achieve the outcome you desire. So well said. I mean, no wonder your book has people like Deepak Chopra, Mick Jagger, Mira Nair, you know, contributing some to some of their some of the comments here that they've made. So uh, super guys, you should go get this book if you're still with us listening to this. So can we delve into a couple of different things uh, about the book? This is what it looks like back cover and then Sadhguru has a quote where he says the most beautiful moments in life are moments when you are expressing your joy not when you're seeking it blessings in your endeavor to take this message to the world via this book amazing man so you know I I found a couple a couple of your chapters to be you know that resonated with me the anecdote you talk about the anecdotes etc but one that really li I liked was tips on raising emotionally healthy children because that, you know, children are our expression of our ourselves, but of course, each child is different. It comes with, come with their own, uh, let's call it divine, you know, gifts and, and destiny, etc. That's what I like, which is your favorite. And maybe you want to just talk, comment on the emotionally healthy children and, you know, what yeah. is it that you think? I would love to. And, um, uh, so in the chapter, I talk about uh, one of the most important things in raising emotionally healthy children is to completely trust them. So many times when uh, Kanika, forgive me for using you as an example, Kanika didn't want to go to school. She was like, my stomach is hurting. I always trusted that, you know, she, I never forced them. I trusted them that, okay, you, you're not feeling well. You don't need to go to school. It's fine. And uh, same thing with their ideas, no matter how from a lemonade stand to wanting to run for uh, president of school and then didn't happen for Kanika and then Kiran and then she ran for vice president and didn't happen and she came home and she was crushed and she's like mom I think I'll run for treasurer at which point my ex-husband said listen you know you've already like run twice I mean are you sure you want to do this and I just looked at Kiran I'm like are you do you want to do this she's like yes I want to stand up the third time and I want to run for the third position and she did and I trusted that that was the right thing for her so I mean these are just small examples but obviously we have a lifetime of these things that our kids bring to us and I think walking the journey with them encouraging them because we are their first experience of the world and mm. so when they have experience where we come through for them we trust them if uh, if if one of my kids forgot a book I would say don't worry I'll get in a taxi and I will be there in the next 10 minutes with a book you left your homework at home don't worry I will be there for you or um for example, my son was very sick and I was in D.C. and he was he was being checked into hospital in Boston. And I'm like, I'm in D.C. with Kanika, but don't worry. 
I will be there in the next three hours. So I was already getting on a flight to New York. I literally changed. I got to LaGuardia, changed my the terminal, got onto the next flight, and I was there in Boston. So I think um, when the children experience this from childhood, you raise very emotionally healthy children. And the other way to raise healthy emotional children is by really speaking your truth because they are learning from your actions. I mean, one thing is what you say and one thing is what you do. But if yep. what you say and what you do, your inner and your outer world resonates, then I think you also raise emotionally healthy children because they begin to trust the world. And then when they encounter people who aren't truthful, because they've seen this truth, they're like, no, 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 no. Something about that is is not working and they know how to deal with it. So these were some of my takeaways from raising my kids and I've shared that in the book. Wonderful. I mean, that to me is the mission of many people, you know, many parents' life and they get all discombobulated in all the challenges of life. But that is just, you're there for them, your full, your full presence is what counts and that's what makes you authentic, congruent with your inner self. I think that to me is so well described in your book. And you know, the other one, sorry. Raju, also on another level, because I mean, you and I, we know each other from your banking days and you know my family well, you know the kids. We've sort of walked a journey. We've been in Mumbai together when you were in Morgan Stanley and Westchester, New York, etc. And when I moved back to New York, I stayed very authentic to, I went to black ties in Indian out because that was my idea of dressing up. And I stayed authentic to who I was. And I think... People appreciate that. It's like what you see is what you get. I'm not better or I'm not worse. But what I present is my true self. And I think that's very important to long-term success, to really having integrity. Because at the end of the day, I think your character and who you truly are is what people gravitate towards. Right. And gravitate not just to you, but also then they realize they're looking in a mirror that maybe they should get something from it in the sense that they tap into their own authenticity and integrity. So that is just very well said. So the other one I liked, and, and I guess a lot of my clients and listeners potentially are you know, struggling with, part of it is, as you were saying earlier, the fear of failure or fear of success. A lot of them are f- afraid of success. What if this happens? All the, you know, the, maybe their lifestyle will be, you know, may get better, but lifestyle will be also, you know, uh, negatively impacted. Uh, so those, those are all, you know, real things for them. And so they just play small, right? Instead of realizing their full potential. And that's really... In here, because very, I know you do a lot of coaching, you coach a lot of successful people. And this fear of success and fear of failure, it's a very real thing. Because yeah. I went through this fear of success. Also fear of failure, but not so much as fear of success. And when you understand that, you know, what is a fear of success, it also comes from a little space of being egotistical. Because you know yes. what, being maybe in every newspaper, but you know what, hey, tomorrow if you're not achieving, there will be another 10 people or 100 people who can step into that space. And same thing with success. You make something successful, you don't want to do it, you don't want to produce the product anymore, it's fine. You can sell it to the next person, you can drop out. There's so many exits. And in my book, a very successful Greek businessman who met, spoke to in Capri, and I talk about this, he talked about the importance of knowing when to enter and when to exit. And if you have humbleness, and you know when to exit, success will not be a problem because then you know when it's time to like get off the stage and let the next person hit the space. 
which ties to the the other one I was going to ask you about was tips on using our uniqueness because we are divinely give, given unique gifts. And the, the biggest regret people have at the end of their lives is, I didn't take the risk I should have taken. And those are the regrets we live with. And then therefore, they say, what's the wealthiest place on the planet is the, the graveyard or the cemetery because people die with their gifts every, every single day because they're afraid to express because of all these fears and self-doubts. It's true. And um, I did this whole chapter on trying to be unique. One is because I am quirky and I drum to my own beat and it's really paid off. I mean, it's it's helped me live a very sort of fulfilled, free life. But also I think messaging and advertising is really teaching young people, you have to look like this or you have to have this particular body or you have to do this or you have to be this or and it's it's really doing younger people a big disservice because it's, it's exhausting to even hear that isn't it it's just not fair and it's not true and i feel if people like me put this message out well listen it's fantastic to be unique it's okay if someone laughs at you listen hey you laugh and the world laughs with you you cry and you cry alone. So it's okay if people laugh at you. It's okay to be different. And that's why we were created like this. It's a whole process of evolution. Every time I speak to, especially my younger audiences to schools and colleges and, you know, I spoke at Soho House, Mumbai, um, I spoke about this importance of being unique and the importance of allowing flow to come through, whether it's in your relationships whether it's in your work, whether it's in change, whether it's in being redirected, whether it's accepting. It's great to be unique. Totally. The other one, uh, we don't want to spend too much time on this, but but I, I mean, there's so much time I could spend, but you know, I know that we, you are time constrained as well. So the three tips on hard work, this probably is very relevant to some of the people that are probably still listening. So I love the, the quote, work is love made visible, Gibran, that you mentioned here. I mean, I also say that the basis and the, of happiness in life is really progress, the feeling that you made progress. You and your three tips are accomplishment is joy. We can all work hard and hard work resonates. Can you just touch on each of those quickly, please? Yeah, I mean, I am truly, I walk the talk. I am one of the most hardworking persons on this planet. I love to work hard. I was brought up by, uh, you know, a naval father who believed in discipline. And uh, I think hard work is very important. And hard work has never hurt anyone. Many a lazy person has been hurt, but a hardworking person has always endured. The thing about hard work is that it connects us to the planet because all our efforts, whether we realize it or not, we may think we're doing it independently, but all our efforts on some universal synchronous, synchronous way is connected. And it's important we all do our bits. We only have to look at nature to see how grills work together, how birds get into a flight and they are, you know, they manage to funnel the air patterns as they glide through uh, the sky. We've seen that so many times. So yes. we have to work hard to the best of our ability because there is a greater plan and we are part of a greater mission. So that's important. And I think that we all want to see ourselves grow. We all want to see ourselves progress. And by sitting around and you know, I'm Aquarian, but lucky I have a Jupiter rising. But um, the only way to make your vision happen, whether it's big or small, it doesn't matter, is by just 
going and doing it and and trying it so yeah well tied to that is the beautiful chapter on owning and ownership and i don't want to you know i want to leave that suspense for people to go read it because i found that to me amazing i always say life is on rent you don't really own anything because you, you make it all here success in the traditional wealth building way and then leave it all here anyway so life is on rent uh and having been through some of my near debts i know what that is so Yes, you deserve some of the Earth's wealth to own, work hard, own it, and enjoy it, but just know it's on rent. Uh, you didn't say the word rent. That just is my addition. So perhaps you can comment on that before I ask you uh, just one or two other questions. Well, I mean, I, of late, I even find myself on the book tour, I've said it a few times, that even our breath, our breath, do we own our breath? I mean, oh my God, how did we become so arrogant to think that we had the right to breathe? It's been given to us. And I, I mean, I said that at a, a couple of book events and people just sort of looked at me like, that is so true. And I think that my meditation practice with the breath has really, pranayam has taught me that. Also, my father, he's much better now, but in between, he struggled with breathing and he, to get every breath, that's when I understood the importance of breath and life. And we attach so much importance to this other stuff. Of course, do what you need to make your life comfortable. Great. But when you take more than you should, when you take away from people who actually need it more than you, you are, you are greedy. You do the wrong thing to amass what you can't even utilize. These are all forms of ownership that are, it's like a corruption of ownership. And I talk about this because we may own things on paper, but I'm very aware of the fact that we don't really own it. But should we be so lucky to live a life that is resonating or a life that is of service to other people? automatically those things that you need in your life flow to you. Where I live today, I had no intention of being here. It just happened that one random day in 2012, I was driving through the Hudson Valley to have coffee with some people after Eleanor Roosevelt board meeting. And I happened to see this property and drive in. And uh, it's just such a gift because I'm here now. And from this space, I am sharing the message of peace I finished the book effortlessly. I share the place with so many people, the message, the message of peace, the message of hope. Sometimes, you know, you just need some person to say to you, you know what, everything's going to be okay. I, that happened to me when I was going through my issues. I had a friend that every time he met me, he would just say, you know what, everything's going to be fine. And it would shift me. And I feel like I am using my voice, my success, my platform to let every everyone know that. I mean, we've been on the planet 10,000 years. We've been fine. We're going to be fine. No matter what we do, life is going to continue. And let's just enjoy the journey a little, a little more joyfully, a little mm -hmm. less fearfully, a little less worried about the future, a little less concerned about regret and guilt and anxiety because they really are wasted emotions. And every time we're in the present, it's so funny. We never think about the future. We don't think about the past. So if we keep shifting ourselves into the present, the way we were supposed to be, somewhat like the way the people live in Avatar. I, I don't know if you saw the new Avatar. Or no, the, it's on my one. list. I haven't yet. Yeah. Totally. It's a collective. Collectively, we are going back there. We really are. I mean, of course, we know we're coming out of Kalyuk. We're going into the transparent um, mm -hmm. age the light, the age of light. So obviously it's all it's all coming together, but it's nice if we are on this journey together. And I'm trying to use my voice and my book and what I have to be that joyful energy. That so resonates 
just hit my heart right there, Mira. Beautifully said. So is there something, what is it? What is something that you can share that most people may not know about you? And you can refuse to answer that question too. What is it that something... I really think that I think a lot of people don't really know that I work very hard for what I do. Even if it seems like I I show up to an event effortlessly and and just trounce into a, a ballroom. I mean, I have I have thought about the people that are going to be there. I think about what I want to do at the last Children's Hope event, for example. I went to the event very conscious that I wanted to elevate the vibrations. I mean, I generally am I'm very hardworking. I actually don't, I'm not a time waster. Like I don't like to waste my time because I really believe every moment that I lose is never coming back. So I think a lot of people feel like success just comes to me or beautiful things just come to me or beautiful people and people just cross my path and it's all just like amazing and successful and easy. I think I work hard for it, but my idea of working hard is not suffering. Like when I work hard, I don't suffer. A lot of people feel like if they're working hard, they're suffering. For me, it's, mm-hmm. it's joy that I have the ability to work hard, that I'm strong, my health is good, my mind is good. The fact that I can do it makes me feel good. And I feel like we all should utilize everything we have because before we know it, we thought we could get ill. We're all getting older. We're all getting like a little more informed. So like, why are we strong and robust? Like, why not work hard? And so I think that's one of the things People may not, I don't know, I don't know how I come across, but they may not really understand how how truly intentionally hard I work and how much I actually enjoy it. I really do enjoy it. Hmm. Well, every time I talk to you, I, I feel, as I said, my perspective changes, and I'm sure you do that with everyone out there. Uh, with or without intention, I think it just, it, it just comes through. So your authenticity, your integrity, to whatever you are, whoever you are, you make no bones about it. And, and, and I've known that about you for, for, for more than two decades. So I really appreciate it. So Mira, um, I'm going to put all the stuff in the show notes about your, where to, where to find the book, all the other things. Is there something specific where you want me to send them? How can they get in touch with you or the work that you do besides the three tips? Uh, people can get in touch with me through my foundation. It's team at the giving back You can find me on Instagram, Mira Gandhi GBF. I go through all my messages. I'm on LinkedIn. And then three tips. We have three tips website. You can also download the app. And on the app, there's a contact place where you can get in touch with me if you have questions. The book is available on Amazon USA, Amazon UK. In India, of course, it's selling everywhere. It's at airports, railway stations, crosswords, Kitab Khana at every book chain. So in India, you can get it everywhere. From next week, it's available in Dubai and UAE in the MENA region. It's selling at all the Jashan Mall stores, Borders, McCrary's. Um, hopefully by June, we'll distribute in the UK and Europe. And by August, we'll be distributing in the USA. Awesome. All right, guys. Here's uh, This was your rare chance to interact or hear, actually, this legendary woman that I've known for a long time. I'm honored to know Thank you. Too. Thank you so much for your time, Mira. You don't Always need the good luck with the book. The book is going to do really well anyways, I can see. So... You always need blessings. So having your blessings and your friendship in my life. Thank you so much. I I really take good care. Maybe we'll see you back again soon on one of these. Lovely. Thank you, Raju. Bye. I really hope you enjoyed this episode today. We strive to bring you conversations that make you think, reflect, and perhaps inspire you 
to take even one little step in your path towards personal growth and greater wisdom. Please download the show or the podcast episode that you just heard and leave us a comment so that we can continue to bring you meaningful and relevant topics in the future. Take care and thank you so much.